To the Ether, today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. Today on the Ether, Duality Labs hosts a discussion on problems with multi-chain UX. Let's take a listen. Awesome. Um, I'm assuming some more people will be rolling in uh, as we start. Um, but uh, I think it'd be great to just start off by getting everyone to just quickly introduce uh, your project, you know, why, why you're interested, you know, thinking about and working on uh, multi-chain, cross-chain, interchain UX, um, and, you know, really how you're thinking about it at a high level, um, just, to, just to start us off. Um, I feel like as Stargaze is the, the co-host, um, or a co-host right now, and they're the, the first name that pops up, uh, Shane, if you want to start us off, uh, feel free. Yeah, hey folks, uh, Shane, co-founder co of Stargaze. Um, Cross-chain UX is, is, is terribly uh, important for Stargaze because we have a more of a kind of consumer retail focused uh, customer. And, um, you know, they, they might not be terribly experienced with using different kinds of bridges and such. Um, a lot of the times they just want to come in and buy their bad kid, right? So uh, right now, Stargaze has been pretty kind of self-contained uh, there's there's like a 12 step process um, if someone wants to kind of swap from from Adam to stars. So so this is a problem that we care deeply about and looking for ways to fix. Yeah, awesome. I think it's one thing that's going to be really interesting is just hearing everyone's perspectives, um, because, you know, like a team like Stargaze will probably be coming at cross chain UX with a slightly different vision than, you know, a, a project like Skip um, or Squid. Um, just because like, you know, the, the users and the focus is in very different directions, but it'd be interesting to see like what, what, you know, you know, what opinions everyone shares and you know, how things differ as well. Um, I guess also on that note, um, and I'm also inviting Skip to be a co-host, but, uh, Skip, uh, I know there's a few representatives here. Um, feel free to all introduce yourselves too, because I think, um, you know, both Mag and, and Sam, you both have really awesome perspectives on this. Yeah, I'm mostly going to defer, it's Mac here, mostly going to defer to Sam, who's, you know, had a long history of working in uh, Interchain UX and is continuing that at Skip. We're helping him. Um, but yeah, Sam, go ahead. Hi. Um, yeah, I have been working on Cosmos for like three plus years, um, done lots and lots of things. Um, the th the items that are maybe relevant to this discussion are I have done some product work on the SDK, um, on the Auth C module and like Gov and groups and just the kind of like account story. Um, and I uh, 
you know, as part of like early conversations about the the fee model um, and um, you know has some kind of historical background for like why why things are are the way that they are today. Um, and yeah, I, I think the, the there were a lot of decisions that were kind of deferred um, until there were real applications and we kind of knew what was required um, and a lot of kind of known problems that, uh, that, you know, I'm very excited to, to fix and, and really make like usable cross-chain user flows. So that's something that we're, we're definitely like laser focused on at skip. Um, and, and that kind of requires uh, changes really at, at every single layer of the Cosmos stack. So um, it's it's going to take a village for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, like I think the the interesting thing with uh, like cross chain UX is uh, it takes a lot of coordination, right? Um, because it's not like a problem that is like isolated to any like one chain team or project. Um, so yeah, really really you know interested to hear all of your thoughts there because I, I know that's also something you've thought a lot about. Um, Vishal, um, if you want to quickly introduce yourself, I know you just joined, uh, but we're doing quick intros. Also going over, um, also going over, like you know why you know cross chain UX, interchain UX, multi chain UX, whatever you know phrase you use for it, um, is relevant to uh, Stride. And then also like you know how you know how you're thinking about innovating and or the space as a whole, um, like within the the cross chain domain. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I'm Vishal, one of the co-founders of Stride Labs. Stride Labs is a core contributor to the Stride Protocol, which does liquid staking in Cosmos. So it's a quick kind of primary to get all from Lido on Ethereum, like STE. Uh, Stride basically does that, but in Cosmos. So you have ST Atom, but also uh, eight other kind of ST tokens um, that, that we provide liquid staking for. Um, in terms of why Interchain UX is really important for Stride, Something we think about quite a bit, I think. And the key reason, Stride, uh, Stride's goal is to only be a liquid staking provider. So the idea is to not have other applications on the chain that aren't uh, related to liquid staking. So we try to be what we call minimal blockchain, and we export SU tokens to other uh, chains to do DeFi. So for example, to Osmosis, to do um, like AMMs, to UMI or Mars or Nitron or whatever else for lending or Kujira for stable coins or shade for all of the above. Um, thing that we're thinking about is how can users who have SD tokens and get them on stride, how can they very seamlessly go and borrow against them and go deposit them into an AM or do things that generally involve lots of different chains. Um, and so we're, we're thinking quite a bit about how to make that UX uh, easier for users. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's like another really uh, interesting perspective, right? Where a lot of us are coming from, like an application um, perspective, right? Where we're like we're going to like serve some cross chain use case versus Stride, which like you know relies on cross chain UX uh, to to actually create like utility for the people that are you know using LSTs. Um, so it's like a, a huge part of you know what Stride is building in a in a slightly different way than everyone else. Um, Fig. Uh, I know, I know Skip, or I, I know Squid is obviously thinking about all this stuff as well. Um, feel free to give your intro and your, you know, your first thoughts. 
um, about you know why interchain um, UX is relevant to you and and where you think it's going and how you're thinking about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks, Elijah. Um, my name is Fig. I'm one of the co-founders of Squid. And yeah, Squid was really born out of the atrocious UX between EVM chains and also between Cosmos and EVM. And we had we had this world where technically chains were connected by different protocols. Like we use um, we use Axlar under the hood and also IBC and all the connections were there, but as a user, you had to go through maybe like 20, 30 steps, go to new websites. Every time you go to a new website in crypto, it feels like you're going to potentially get scammed and you don't know if your money's ever going to arrive because often these things take a lot of time as well. So the we thought that a lot of the technology was there, but they just the user experience hadn't been, it hadn't been put together in a way which made the user experience um, as good as it could be. So yeah, it's really close to our hearts too. Um, the way we solved it with Squid is by just getting the the first like fundamental primitive down, which is you have one token on one chain, and there's an application on another chain that you want to interact with. And in order to, it's like going from if you're a U.S. citizen, you go to Europe to pay in a store. You need to be able to convert your USD to euros before you can buy something at the store or go on the theme park or something. Um, so just that very basic thing is the cross-chain swap. And then um, we combine that or compose it with the ability to call a contract as well. So you should, the, the result is that you should be able to do anything on any chain in one click with whatever tokens in your wallet. And yeah, once you have that toolbox, then hopefully we, like every application, no matter what chain they're on, can build experiences which are... Um, comparable to single chain um even if say they're a cosmos chain and there's all these tens of thousands of users on the ethereum rollups or even between the cosmos um trying to make that experience one click um yeah so that's where that's where we're at with it yeah that makes a lot of sense um and i think like we need a, a lot more one-click abstractions in general and i'm sure that'll come up all, you know a lot you know in the conversation today uh just quick intro uh nicholas and i are here from duality um duality is uh you know a dex coming to the cosmos hub very soon uh we hopefully have some exciting announcements uh you know in the in the coming weeks um but yeah, um, you know, we're thinking about Interchain UX because you know we built in Cosmos for uh, you know a reason. Um, we you know we believe very heavily that like serious applications are going to be built in an application specific way, and so you know creating better tools and user experiences around how those application specific domains uh, interact with one another is you know a huge part of that vision. And so we're super excited about it. Um, Nicholas, I don't know if you have anything to add, but. Oh, that was that was well said. I've uh, a lot to add about the UX aspect of it, less around the intro. Right, awesome. So we, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have some spicy questions and topics today, um, and you know, I think that you know, just to get the ball rolling, because uh, you know, we want to keep things interesting as well. Um, you know, what is what is everyone's hottest take on cross chain UX? Uh, you know, pretty general, but you know, feel free. Feel free to go as hot as you want, or you know, take take a, a hedged bet if you need to. But 
um, would love to hear how everyone's thinking about it, what, what their alpha is. So yeah, feel free to jump in. I can start super quick and then I'll pass it over. I'll popcorn it over to Shane right after. Um, I think that it's a miracle that, uh, that Cosmos has uh, gathered as much attention uh, and liquidity as it has given, given the state of infrastructure. Um, I think that's a hot take, and I think a lot of it is, um, is because of the UX. And um, a lot of it also comes back to, uh, uh, to what um, I think was, was, it, uh, was it Shane or um, the, the issue with, uh, with, uh, with Stargaze. No, um, I'd, I'd love to get into a, a really quick example of our, our team struggling to buy, to buy a bad kid on, uh, on, on Stargaze. One of us had to like spin up an osmosis node to like, to find a hidden pool, um, on like to, to perform a swap. And then, uh, some other of us had to like, you had to go on uh, Crescent to get the airdrop, to move to Juno, to, to finally get back to osmosis, to be able to pay the gas fee, to swap for stars, to send over to stargaze. So it's, um, it's, uh, it's a lot, it's not friendly. Uh, this is a wire year and, uh, and uh and yeah and i'm not sure how taught that was but uh but yeah i think i think it's truly miraculous that we're all here uh, but at least we're all trying to fix it so yeah i think i think things were a little a little easier when there was uh zero gas on 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 osmosis um and 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 you were yeah. you were able to do uh you know swaps really really easily um the the bad kids blog has a has like a a, a really kind of funny nice uh, post on all the steps that you have to take to get a bad kid. And yeah, it's like if you have Adam on Coinbase or centralized exchange, it takes 12, 12 steps to do it. So, so that's not, uh, you know, that's, that's something we can work on improving, even if we can cut it down to like, you know, six or, or less. Um, so my, my hottest take, maybe it's not exactly a, exactly a hot take, but I think we should, I think we should be trying to move faster with the existing tools we already have, right? And 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 maybe not try to find the the perfect solution. And maybe better solutions would would like evolve over time. Um, and maybe we can take like a page out of Web two and and work on like uh, you know work uh, and you know work on solutions like like build the MVP first and then kind of add to it. For example. It's totally possible to make a widget that does a swap on osmosis without using uh, like the swap router, right? So people will have like a widget and then they can uh, change the the, uh, the change in their wallet and at least at least have something working, right? So then every chain that wants to do swaps can easily embed this widget in there, even though it's not the best solution. And then uh, once we have better technologies like IBC hooks and packet forwarding middleware, uh, you know, then we can gradually move to stuff like uh, Squid. So I think I think uh, you know maybe maybe that was a missed opportunity. I think we could have um, had a little bit better cross chain UX a little earlier than we than we have now. Yeah, I hope oh, Sam, you go. Yes, yeah, Sam. Can you can you whoever whoever whoever's done with the hot take and forward it to to another speaker? Yeah, I'm done with my uh, with my hot take. If anyone else wants to pick it up, Sam, you're super quiet. My hot take is most devs have have not 
used Cosmos and it shows um, because if they did, like a lot of these UX issues would be, you know, first priority and um, yeah, the, the kind of state of affairs right now is, is, is kind of unacceptable. Uh, popcorn to fig. <laughs> um, I agree with you guys in a very non non hot way, but I think the same thing. Like, um, we actually have the tools here. We just had to put them together in a way that um that made the UX better. And I mean, I think we're yeah we're all, all getting there really soon. But um, I think there's a tendency to to look for the perfect solution and build something like perfectly generic rather than like keeping keeping the focus on just what the product needs to do. A bit like what Shane said, and just take take things in steps. I think that might be like generally something that happens in the cosmos is um, you got these amazing like perfect designs and theoretical op- like optimals, but you might need to um, you, you need to compromise on those ideals to be able to actually get something to market and, and like start iterating on it. Um, yeah, that's my hot take. It's it's kind of funny because it, everyone's take isn't that hot. It seems like everyone's pretty much in agreement. Um, although like um, although I think Sam's was a good point, um, which. Uh, which is like a little bit overlooked that like to really see some of the problems you need to like get your hands dirty um, and, 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 you know, actually experience themselves or, you know, experience them yourself. Um, but uh, Vishal, I, I don't know if, if, if you have any thoughts, any hot takes on this, um, but uh, feel free to jump in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe two hot takes. The first one might not be the hot and the second one um, I think is far out, but uh, first off, totally agree. I think what people have said, uh, especially Sam. Uh, I think many people have not actually used uh, Cosmos. Many dads have actually used Cosmos apps. Um, my first hot take is I think uh, gas is like not a good value pool mechanism for a token. Um, and in general, basically every chain would be better off if they accepted gas in arbitrary tokens um, or use like the skip model to have like some percentage transactions be gasless. Um, and I think the increased adoption far far outweighs the any token demand from getting gas, uh, like truly like two or three orders of magnitude better. Like these aren't even comparable, I think. And the, the second I'll take, although I think this is very far out, uh, is I think users just like shouldn't know what chain their tokens are on in Cosmos. Um, I don't know if you, anyone has used like Coinbase wallet. But I think that's like the ideal or the, the best wallet experience I've, I've, ha- I've seen in crypto. Um, and I think for Cosmos to get big, it has to integrate into or, or to, to get very, very massive and mainstream has to be able to integrate into other uh, chain or uh, other wallets more easily and be more understandable users. And my gut reaction is the way this is going to happen is um, like users see their tokens are in the Cosmos ecosystem more broadly, but are mostly unaware of like which chain it exists in underlying. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that um, being able to just have, if you have money in your wallet, you should be able to spend it. It should be the same as like having a um yeah same as the normal internet experience you've got your visa card you just you pay with it it doesn't matter what the where the vendor is you just um you get to spend them and then yeah you're right the, the coinbase wallet thing we were just thinking about this 
today actually like we get integrated into um into like the squid api gets integrated into wallets and we up until the point we got integrated the users of some of these wallets who say they they aren't devs they don't know much about crypto they've invested in say avax and atom and uh, matic and they for some reason they can't swap between those tokens and they don't know why and like we're already at the point where they don't know what chain they're on like we don't need to get them to that point it's just being able to do the things that they want to do um even though behind the scenes those tokens are on different chains um yeah i think that's a really natural place for the ux to go yeah to, to totally agree although i think cosmos we have the luxury of uh users actually can swap from chain a to chain b um without having to incur like crazy high bridge costs and I think with like one or two more iterations on middleware and cross-chain uh, swaps, like this could come uh, like realized. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll also agree. I think in order to integrate to these wallets, we're gonna have to simplify the, the UX a little bit in Cosmos. I, I can give a little bit of history. Um, so one, uh, the the fee situation is like pretty horrendous right now, but. It could have been a lot worse. Um, there, I, I, Cosmos is really the only ecosystem that had a kind of multi-fee consideration from day one. And the fact that um, at least the default in the SDK is that you can um, accept multiple DNOMs for fees is kind of unique. Um, some chains have elected not to use that, but um, we actually... Uh, put off adding EIP-1559 as like a default in the SDK, specifically because it would have required um, a single min fee. And e even though it, you know, it is a, a, a model that you know, most chains would, would do well to use, uh, because you need some kind of fee swapping system along with that, we were concerned that it would degrade cross-chain UX. So, um, you know, it's one of these situations where, like, we were, you know, we deferred the decision because we knew that, like, it would be pretty um, instrumental in the kind of adoption story and and how cross chain would UX would end up playing out. It it always feels like the uh, the, the the origins of Cosmos are like riddled with examples of just sort of thinking ahead of the curve. Um, I know, like. This skip team talks a lot about this notion that all of the things that Cosmos is dealing with today are going to exist on like this cross uh, domain, cross roll up world that we'll see in other places as well. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think I think that's like a, a good example of that. Um, so to to sort of shift the the conversation, um, you know, I think I think there's like a you know there's there's obviously a difference. Um, you know, one of the one of the problems um, is not just people having not built a user experience around it, uh, but it also might be like you know the actual technical feasibility and or like you know and or setting that having to you know asynchronously compose different applications. So you know that just you know basically means to compose like app chains with different block times and you know have them like work together or like have applications be able to be used with one another. Um, you know, also presents some problems. So I'm curious, what, what are everyone's thoughts on, um, like, what are the effects of like needing to 
um, compose asynchronously with other apps. It, you know, in, in the long run, does it actually maybe become a strength? Um, or are there design considerations to, to work through there? I think we've been down the, um, and let me know if my connection's choppy, um, but we've been down the rabbit hole of synchronous composability many times. Um, it was actually a fun post that Ethan Buckman just made about he like figured out a way to do cross-chain flash loans, but then um, he realized that also any chain in Cosmos can mint an infinite amount of any token. Um, and this is actually what we do, for example, with Protorev on Osmosis. But I think when it comes to like synchronous composability or you know the ability to like really have some kind of atomic transaction, um, there's just a huge amount of what's the right word like there's just a huge amount of downside or i guess like invasive changes that protocols need to make to act like one chain they're dealing with this right now in celestia with the shared sequencer world um but it's like to make let's say stargaze and osmosis have transactions that are atomic with each other would require a host of changes that will sacrifice the liveness and a variety of other properties and so i think at least where we've been coming at it from is you probably want to just make the current system a lot better and there's so much to squeeze out of it. So, you know, faster block times are coming, for example, and relayers are becoming incentivized and will be better and we're, we're trying to help there. Um, and, you know, the ability to do things like atomic swaps are now an IBC standard. So like you can actually, I think, create better systems and push the current asynchronous system more to make it feel fast and good, even though you don't have things like pure atomicity. But if you look in a pure atomicity, you, you, you start to realize that a lot of it is kind of about people who are using it for like MEV. And as much as we love MEV, that's not the thing that brings people to crypto. Um, so, you know, I think it's more about from a UX perspective, making things feel faster, more fluid, having integrations. And then if I'm allowed to talk about intents later, we can get into that and how that can sort of help there. But um, yeah, that, that's all I had to say. Yeah, we'll save the intense conversation till the end. This way, we prevent all hell from breaking loose, just in case. If if that would end up happening, I don't know if it would. But um, but um, yeah, I mean, on, you know, I, I do agree that like I think like you know the average user might care about speed, but do they care so much about atomicity? Um, you know, they probably care about like atomicity in the sense of like one click transactions, but do they care so much about like? you know, atomicity in the way that like someone, you know, doing atomic arbitrage cares about it. Um, I, I don't know if like that's so clear or, or true. Um, and so I think like that's a, a really good like first principles way of thinking about it. Um, curious to hear everyone else's thoughts as well. Yeah, one comment on atomicity that I, I think, I mean, synchronous composability is obviously the like, the, the thing that solves all of our problems, right? But um, there's there's a lot that you can do kind of in between where we're at today and and that stage like um breaking down multi-chain flows into um into segments that can be kind of gracefully picked up at if, if there's a failure and um and creating like atomic uh atomic but asynchronous flows um I, I think is extremely valuable you know 
if all you're looking to do is vote on another chain or something like you don't care if you're landing a synchronous bundle or something like it's it's fine like i'll wait until the transaction like makes to the other chain and i i'm fine um you know i want to know if it succeeded or failed but other than that doesn't doesn't really matter yeah i agree totally with, with what everyone said um what would i add um I've been thinking a little bit about this. Like, this, there seem to be two, two different approaches here, where you see a lot of projects wanting their own chain uh, to do very specific things, and in a lot of ways, the app, if you you take that phrase, application-specific blockchain, um, if the whole application that the user is uh, like everything to do with that application lives on that chain in some sense, and you can support a front end just by hitting one RPC um, and not combining combining modules from different chains, then I think that's an architecture which seems like it has legs. And I've seen a few, few um, people in the ecosystem doing. So it means you don't actually need that much cross-chain stuff. Um, you just need to be able to get um, get assets over to that chain and then everything happens from there and then when the user's finished with um, using that application then they go over to their next application and um, you you have this like traveling traveling approach where you, you travel and sit there for a bit and travel um, but then there's obviously like the more exciting like compelling model where you have different modules and different chains um, interacting to completes like a single intent uh, without using that correctly, just something that a user wants to do in specific action. Um, I think that's really exciting and that's something that um, that like we've already seen good examples of, but um, in my mind I'm still sort of trying to understand the, these two different approaches and um, trying to liken them to Web2 as well, like is one like you have your like a dedicated server just to run your your application because you want total control on all the resources and um, you want to be able to control the VPN and um, you have a much better environment to to do maybe higher security or higher throughput things maybe but um, but then on the other hand maybe you just have something like Vercel where everything just happens for you but. It's it's actually using a bunch of different things in the background. Um, maybe we'll end up with two ways of building applications um, or two options there in the long run. And um, I think either way, there's a lot of cross-chain stuff that's happening in the background. That's not necessarily to do with UX, but it's more to do with DevX. Um, but thinking about how it will manifest, yeah. I mean, I think the direction we're moving in is is really great though and the fact that we're even having this call call is awesome um i think i i feel like in the in the past couple of months um ibc development has been moving a lot faster than it has been you, you know since since i've been in cosmos since 2018 or so 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 it's really awesome to see that and um i think uh i i i really like the direction we're going in for example uh, like IBC hooks and packet forwarding middleware, they're not perfect protocols, right? They're just piggybacking off the memo field. So it's it's kind of a hack, but it but it 
but it still works, right? And, um, you know, I like that we're just kind of building with what we already have, uh, you know, instead of trying to form, uh, you know, like multiple working groups and trying to, you know, design the perfect spec. Um, it's, it's, it's sometimes just to kind of build on what we already have. So I, I, I like the, the direction things are going in. And, um, you know, stoked that most of the, it seems like a lot of the chains are upgrading to, to add, uh, like, you know, the middleware and all these features you need for the chain so we can start using, uh, stuff like, uh, squid and, uh, skip the, um, the endpoints you guys are working on as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all great. Yeah. I think like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like if you look at like Ethereum's TVL versus like the totality of Cosmos's TVL right now, um, you know, Cosmos is still um, an emerging ecosystem, and you know it's it's hard. You know, when when you have like a decentralized, um, you have like a decentralized movement in the way that Cosmos is, um, and Cosmos is like relative to other chains and ecosystems, it's like maximally decentralized. Um, you know. It's, it's not always easy to operate like a startup um, uh, or like with a startup mentality more so. And like when I say startup mentality, you know, I'm pulling a page out of uh, Shane's book, which is sort of like this notion of having a bias to action, like, you know, move fast. Um, hopefully you don't break things, but, you know, move fast, build, um, accrue some tech debt, but like solve problems in the now. Um, I definitely think that like that's a really important part of like, you know, at least the mindset that like, you know, we should be cultivating as a ecosystem. Um, and it'll hopefully be very useful in like driving this next wave of users. Um, I'm, I'm personally very confident we're about to see like a Cosmo. I, I don't know. I don't have like a, maybe this is like a cringy word for it, but like a Cosmo season. Like I, I think we're going to see a massive inflow of liquidity. Thanks to a lot of the teams on this call, actually. Um, you know, I think like the unlock of LSTs cross chain UX, um, and like, you know, the, the emerging NFT ecosystem as well is, is like a really exciting prospect for Cosmos as a whole. Um, so, yeah, um, I know, you know, I want to leave some time for like, in, you know, questions at the end, too, from like people who are listening. So I'm going to shift the conversation to Intense really quickly. Um, so Intense have obviously been a hot topic. Um, if, if you follow my personal Twitter, um, uh, you, you might you might have seen a thread on this recently. Uh, I'm, I'm per personally a little skeptical, at least in the short term, and tend to agree with uh, Shane's perspective. Uh, but I also know that everyone here has a pretty interesting perspective on it as well. Um, not that Shane you know, has any, made any comments on intents, just more so that like, hey, we have things to work on now. We don't need to like design a new system. Um, but I'll let Shane introduce his own opinions uh, if, if, he, if he wants to. Um, but the, the sort of question that I'll open up with um, is... Um, what what does the intersection of intense and cross chain UX actually look like? You know, maybe maybe we could start by defining intense, um, which you know I can do really quickly, um, and then you know I'd also love to hear like what you know what does it actually look like? You know how how are intense and cross chain UX like improving cross chain UX actually complementary, and how maybe in some ways are they not? Um, uh, but you know just just for those who are listening and aren't familiar with intense, that you know the the sort of the, the definition we'll run with is this new transaction format uh, in which someone signs um, like some preference or some like desired end state that they want to reach. Say like, I want, you know, 10 more Shiba tokens or 
10 more star tokens or stride tokens than I have right now. Um, and instead of like actually finding the, you know, the actual route for like pools to swap through, uh, there's like some other party which uh, uh, fills that intent with transactions. Um, and that, that intent is fulfilled if those transactions like meet that end state, uh, which in this case would be like 10 more star tokens or 10 more stride tokens. Um, so it sort of takes two parties, one a signer who places the intent, uh, and the other is a solver who like uh, submits the transactions to, to fulfill the intent or the, the preference on the, the outcome uh, that the, the user and the intent placer has. Uh, so just, go, just to go back, make sure everyone's on the same page. The question is, what does the intersection of intents and cross-chain UX look like? How are they complementary? How are they not? Um, yeah, uh, opening it up, whoever wants to answer, feel free. I can take a quick shot. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, just, I think everyone knows, like, intents are now kind of a meme. Um, but I think uh, there is something there. And I think where we get excited about it is, I mean, we, we deal a lot with searchers, right? We, we've aggregated like a decently sized, I think, searcher um, ecosystem in Cosmos now of people who are, you know, finding arbitrage and submitting those transactions. And the excitement be, sort of comes from the fact that you can leverage those searchers who are basically, you know, chain sleuths who are going through blockchains and trying to find places to provide to, to capture value, to incentivize them to do more complicated things that are good for users, right? So um, instead of just finding arbitrage opportunities, you know, they can do stuff like liquidating transactions, right? Which is like a common thing that they'll do in other ecosystems and is sort of an intent, right? Um, or, or, or satisfying one, and it is healthy for the ecosystem for them to do that. In fact, you know, lending protocols rely upon them to do that, to, to make sure everything's good. I think, the question then becomes, well, what, what else can you do, right? So let's say uh, I have, you know, like a sort of complicated swap and send and lend transaction that I want to do. Um, so like, let's say I want to, you know, basically take my, uh, my Juno and I want to somehow get to like staked Osmo. And I just want to say, somebody get that done for me. And I'm willing to pay some tip for that. How can you create a system of, basically incentivizing those searchers to do that instead, right? To like prove that they've done it for you and then pay them. And so I think what you get from that, if you actually have both sides of the market, one, the people expressing the intents of what they want to get done, and two, the people who can actually solve them, is you get like basically infinite horizontal scaling of UX across an interchain system, where it doesn't really matter where the protocols are or how they're connected, and you don't have to worry about building out the exact UX flow for that, you can sort of offload that to a variety of off-chain actors who will quote unquote, get it done. Um, the question is, is that feasible? And we obviously don't have sophisticated off-chain actors to do that today. Um, but you know, like a great example of this is like an order book, right? Like DYDX, for example, like that's an intent matching system. And it's like, how can you just do that with more complicated intents? Yeah, I sort of I sort of like this idea or framing of like potentially using intents as uh, leveraging searchers is almost like this cross chain relay. That's an interesting perspective where it's like if you have some sort of complicated cross chain thing you want fulfilled, um, you know, the, the user might have like a simple intent that, uh, you know, the, the searcher can do a lot of the heavy lifting for um, and, and, and bring the funds uh, over. 
Um, so the user just needs to think about sparse and destination instead of, uh, you know, what's going on in between. Um, it's an interesting framing. Yeah, to I saw to be like yeah, go 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 ahead. Very concrete about an intent that would impact users today, like is just transfers. So right now, if you need to make a cross chain transfer, you know maybe you're doing it unwind that requires you to go through the intermediary chain. So like Atom, you know on Osmosis, and you need to go to Neutron. You need to go back through at the, the hub. Well, that's going to take take a little while. It's going to take two transactions. Um, if you alternatively, you could have a market maker just give you the tokens on the other side, and that would significantly speed up the, the transaction delivery time. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's just like a you know better experience. It's a different experience because the trust model is a little bit different, but the um, it, it that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be working on these more kind of imperative flows where you're 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 thinking about the the transaction path um, that you need to kind of uh, that that an actor would need to perform in order to to do the entire flow on chain because that is the flow that the searcher needs to make um so uh intense is kind of like the next level once you've like cleared the <laughs> the ability to actually transact at all cross chain um you know you, you can at least offload some of the more complex um transaction construction to the sophisticated actor but you know it feels like we're not even there yet to be honest, and we need to to just kind of like get the basics down, and then we can improve from there. Yeah, I, I definitely tend to agree, um, and I, I think like my, my the perspective I've been rolling with I, is is aligned and actually inspired by like discussions with Skip, um, uh, which is uh, I definitely think that um, you know intents are useful for. Um, you know, getting users to be able to not have to worry about like the complexities of like gas tokens, especially in like bridging, um, when like they can't like edit the fee market like themselves. Like if you can't, you can't really like go into someone else's chain or like another community's chain, and, like tell them to whitelist your you know your your community's token. So so you don't need to worry about that. Um, but 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 you can potentially do this if you know both chains have like an intent module. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm interested to to sort of flip the conversation to uh, to to Fig, um, maybe Shane too, if, if uh, and and feel free to jump in too, Vishal. Um, but I know uh, I know Fig, you you might have some thoughts on this because um, you know Squid takes a, a pretty different perspective where it's uh, less about designing a new transaction model, more about integrating user preferences into the existing transaction model. Um, so I'm I'm curious if you have any thoughts. There, if you want to sort of just share share why you chose that direction, how, if at all, you're thinking about intense, and uh, you know, where you sort of see um, you know Squid's perspective on all of this. Yeah, thanks, Elijah. Um, yeah, so the Squid approach, um, obviously, intense went um, officially. Uh, we weren't talking about them when we designed Squid, but. Squid is essentially the the Squid API is a bit like an intent. Um, API where you theoretically you can do whatever you want across chain 
and you tell the API, I've got this token and I've, I want it, uh, this token over here and I want to do this action or this set of actions. And then we've got this big backend which just calls all these chains and works out the best way to do that. And if you want to look at it through an intent model, then the, the API is like the intent layer and then our backend is the uh, is the solver. So like what we've been building this whole time is is this solver for intents. Um, but I guess taking it um, taking the approach of the existing transaction model where we return something that the user can then choose to sign or not um, and gets executed in a censorship resistant and um, like secure way is like we've I guess we're we're really just taking, the approach of what works and what blockchains were designed for and to begin with and and taking like a really practical um approach to it where you um you don't have to sacrifice too much of what you came to like blockchains to um to get and we're trying to in a more um, restricted way, we're trying to still let you do whatever you can, whatever you want uh, across chain. But um, we've put sort of constraints on it so that you, we can ship something which is, um, yeah, which is secure. I'm not saying that um, intents are sort of in, fundamentally insecure, but we've done that. And so we've got this sort of dual model with Squid where we have that, like the traditional approach where we provide a payload and then the user can sign it. And then we have this market making layer on top or like service provider layer, which does the instant execution across chains. So in a similar way to intense, the, the user submits their source transaction on the source chain. And that's a bit like them saying, I want, I want you to do this thing over on another chain. Um, and they, the user and then a market maker can see that, request and then immediately fulfill it on the destination chain in this kind of intent kind of way. But um, in our model, the the transaction still gets executed using all of like IBC and Axlar and um, on-chain transactions, which the user has effectively signed. So they still have the full, like the liveness properties um, and security properties of the underlying blockchains and cross-chain protocols, but they get the user experience benefit of getting anything done in under 20 seconds or under 10 seconds. Um, and theoretically, like we instantly um, across chains. So that's the model we're taking. We're sort of more focused on the, on the traditional model, but trying to use this intent model as, a, as an overlay to get even better UX. Um, um, yeah, to maybe quickly summarize, maybe to just quickly summarize, um, there's sort of like, you know, there's this problem of like, how do, how do users uh, get their preferences fulfilled across chains? Um, and, uh, you know, what parts of the stack you're innovating on um, are, are sort of like the question that's being asked here. So like, are you innovating by building like new transaction types, which require two signers? Or are you innovating by providing like, um, better front ends and like a better front end experience or wallet experience or aggregation experience uh, of the technology that already exists. Um, 
And so, you know, that, that, that's sort of the distinction I see and, and both have merits. And yeah, uh, someone was about to talk to you. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to quickly uh, maybe reframe it. Yeah, I've just been thinking about it a bit more from the user facing side. And um, I just I just think because there's so much overlap between account abstraction, um, sub sub accounts and odd Z, um, I think I think we should um, I know, I know I'm, I'm sure this is already happening, but have to think about intents uh, in in the broader framework of all, of all of those. Um, and, and I think, I think that is, um, that's already happening. Um, and, um, also, uh, it, uh, what, what Sam said earlier about being able to natively and locally, uh, fulfill, um, uh, an intent first and then have it happen over IBC. Uh, this is, this is something we've been thinking about too. Like Stargaze doesn't have a, a local DEX. Um, but we've been thinking if, if people do want to do swaps, you know, maybe you could have a low, a low liquidity DEX or even the community pool and, 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 and take a loan from one of these things and then, uh, you know, fulfill it over, over IBC later on. So, um, yeah, I think I'm, 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 I'm glad we're talking about this stuff and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens. If, if you need to get killed on Intense, just talk to Zaki for about five to 10 minutes and you'll be back here talking about Intense. The funny thing about Intense is it's literally just UX. It's like, it's an excuse for engineers to talk about UX. That's all. Yes, I, I agree. It's like, it's like you, you need some way to nerd snipe people to think about how to improve preference expression and fulfillment better right like how, how do users communicate what their needs are and how, how do how do protocols fulfill them and uh like intense i guess we're like uh we're we're nerdy enough to to convince a bunch of smart people to um you know start having these conversations around ux um but um yeah uh Bishal, I, I know you nicholas um Anyone else uh, have any last inputs? Because uh, I also, we, we have like seven minutes left. And at some point, I'd love to open up uh, the floor to some questions from the audience as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll just open up. If I see Grand Tense, it'll all be very obvious very quickly how little I know about them. All right, awesome. Um, feel free to, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to raise your hand and we can bring you up and you know we can, we can uh, bring you on stage to, to participate. Uh, I think you need to request to speak if you want to join. Hey, uh, uh, I'm Tom from the Plank team. Uh, we are actually affected by this uh, multi-chain thing. And I just joined this, this space. Is there any more information uh, other than that tweet or no? Any more information on Intense? Sorry, I missed the question. There's like a really loud noise in my house. I was uh, wondering if there's any more <laughs> information uh, about uh, the multi-chain situation other than the tweet they put out. Um, this, this recording will be live if you want to like re-listen. Might be a little bit much to rehash the whole conversation. Yeah, fair point. Um, while we're waiting for people to raise their hand to come up, um, since, since we have so many of the like key application developers on this call, one thing I, I feel like is worth surfacing is um, I 
I haven't seen enough application developers like really engaging the core teams like Tendermint, SDK, IBC core teams and stating your needs and like kind of getting in the weeds of those code bases. Um, I know it's like kind of a messy ecosystem and like hard to navigate sometimes, but um, you know, too too many times I see application devs kind of like expecting like the fix to come upstream and and I, I think you need to like really be on the core dev call and we're like bothering them be like this is a priority for me because they don't you know they don't have godlike powers to like understand what you know your own customers needs are um so yeah i mean when i said it takes a village earlier like i, I feel like that's that's part of it is we need to actually be more like deliberate with how we are interacting with the the code bases that we're that we're working with and like you know state our needs and like what those UX considerations are so that they they become a priority and like and and get upstreamed and like this stuff gets better um there's just way too few teams that that kind of have that um, that point of contact to to surface these issues. Yeah, what are the core teams like? We'd love to um, work more closely with them. Like we're close with the IBC team, but we've got the the core SDK team. Are these the ones you're talking about, or um, are there others? Yeah, right now the core teams. Uh, so the IBC Go team um, lives at Interchain. Um, the SDK team is binary, um, and the Tendermint team is led by informal. Um, Cosm.js is mainly d maintained by Confio, and uh, Telescope is is kind of integrating or kind of combining with Cosm.js to to some extent, um, and that's uh, the Dan Lynch is is mainly heading that. So. Those are the, um, uh, you know, some of the key figures in the ecosystem. There, there are many, many more. But, um, you know, if, if you want a, a point of contact for any of those, then you know, let me know, and I can put you in touch. Thanks. Yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah, I think it would it would make sense to at least have. Um, I think this is just in any team, even. I, let alone within the Cosmos ecosystem, but every time we have a new a new product, we like be extremely clear about like what the um, product requirements and what the product is going to be able to do um, are, and then share them around so that everyone has good context of what's happening and getting everyone on the same page. Just generally making sure people um, understand your requirements and what um, how they can help. I think that I think that makes sense. I wonder if it'll be useful to even have like a like a biweekly call or something or bimonthly call with all these groups and um, you know at least one person from each team, kind of and and just like have a space or something. Yeah, I, I like that idea a lot, actually. Yeah, well done. Same.
Also, by the way, feel free if anyone has any questions uh, about or like any thoughts, any hot takes, any opinions, uh, and they want to be added to the speaker board. Uh, we, we're closing up the the space pretty soon, um, but but feel free to to raise your hand, and we'll bring you on uh, on stage and uh, chat about whatever uh, whatever you want, as long as it's relevant to multi-chain, inter-chain, cross-chain UX. Um, but yeah. Hey, awesome. Uh, I'm not seeing too many people uh, raising their hands. I'm actually not seeing anyone, which is no worries. Um, but thank you all so much for coming. Um, if you enjoyed this space, um, you know, we're thinking about organizing uh, more on really important pressing topics um, uh, that we feel might need more exposure, you know, should be talked about more often with smart people in a public forum. Um, and uh, also love hearing, you know, input from all of you, you know, either in the comments um, or, um, you know, at some other point in, in our DMs or wherever. Um, but, um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do another follow-up eventually on, on like where we are, like, you know, a few months from now and uh, we'll, we'll bring the same group of teams back. Um, and, you know, maybe in the coming weeks, we'll pick a, a different topic. Um, and uh, yeah, if you have any thoughts on what that next topic should be, feel free to comment. Uh, on you know, the, the announcement of this uh, in the Twitter post and ask any questions there as well. But uh, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks so much for, for all of the speakers who came. Uh, also want to give all of you an opportunity to like say some parting words too before we uh, end the space. Thanks a lot for uh, organizing this. Really appreciate uh, you, know, you putting this together and uh, great uh, listening to, to all of you kind of share your thoughts on um, yeah, this topic. And it's, it's clear that everyone here has thought about this really deeply and you're all experts on it. Uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Elijah. Uh, yeah, I don't have, have much more to say. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us, Elijah, and great to chat with everyone. Really good group of heads. Everyone, please add the packet forward middleware. That's that's all I have to say. Please. It's easy to add. Yeah, I would just say, like, you know, it's, it's such a fun thing to work on stuff that's, like, super, you know, rising tides, flips all boats, but I think everyone here would benefit from that. And we don't have an Ethereum foundation that dictates the entire ecosystem to do stuff together all at once. And so I think it's got to be, you know, just a... Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Duality Labs, Problems with Multi-Chain UX. Recorded on Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. For terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening... Head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Nice. I'm going to tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad and these mugs out here robbing, you're going to love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning and I'm all like I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun and then I'm like one out of a hundred. I'm just building up on it to some of everything we built during the last hundred upsets. You're getting salty, feeling faulty. You ain't no man. I keep robo here grinning it, it, throwing up anarchy, smoking toiletries, spitting philosophies. Look at the dossier. We rack like geography. There's layers to this shit. Like it's sedimentary. All these little onion peels getting torn off and buried. Imagine the smell. That shit is a vital experience without knowing how you will not survive, period. Uh, <laughs> he's a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death, like on a spaces of a life, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house son. I swear to God, man, I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. Mate, you just a little rat, man, go on. 
fuck off, man. Do one. Harmony. Me and Neil, the one, do you love him for a fucking job? You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking at the death. Fuck off. Trying to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsored lobotomy Feels like I won the lottery Like I'm ghosting this pottery Chill, Demi Boy, the shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle You would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle But the pay is busting Think of all the loss of crew Just to pick up off the tricky custom Not the year All those sub would make up for something I guess it just goes to show The fuck do I know? At least it's quiet over here I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over How to divide my time between Sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Moldy shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash phone bang, they're feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteora jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relators Imagine the smell, five dollar wrench to your dark Vader it's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance That everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are. We know where they live. And we're going to their house with a wrench, a big wrench. And we will attack them with the wrench. And then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb, it's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Ten spaces.